0: Talking During the break, I'm not going to tell you the coach that made us bring it up, but who are the coaches that are maybe a little bit weird in the game that are also very good at what they do? Weird coaches that are very good. 704-570-9610. Feel free to write your answer in to the garage oh, let's call door them quirky. guru. I
1: think quirky is a lot less
0: harsh. Well, it could be both if you want. Like Mike McDaniel is one where you called him quirky, and I think that's good. But I think there's a difference. I think quirky is a little bit different than than maybe a, just a tiny bit weird. Think, think so? I think so. Is there not a difference, Fitty, with you being a wordsmith? Is there a difference between those two?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think so. Because like when I, when I think of someone as weird, like I don't know if I want to be around them. If someone's quirky, I mean. Our guest day at 145, Willie P's a little quirky, but I love him for it. Like
0: I, That's a good one.
2: You know, it's, it's why after 3 o'clock I leave you because you're just too damn weird. 100%.
0: 252 wrote into the text line, Les Miles. Yeah, if you eat grass, then you're you're a oh, weird dude. I love that. <laughs> you, you like Les Miles? Oh,
2: no. I loved his whole eating grass bit, mm. though.
0: He's also, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Les Miles immediately. What's funny is this number wrote it in very quickly. <laughs> like, you know, he's thought about this before. Like, yep, Les Miles. I got this answer ready to go. <laughs> Feel free to keep texting those in. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. So the Caesar Sportsbook, they just set out the Panthers over under. They set all of the NFL teams over under. And the Panthers number is posted at seven and a half wins on the season. So, Wes, if I gave you 50s money to go bet with over there in Las Vegas, and you could bet as much as you wanted to on the Panthers, either achieving the over or the under, set at seven and a half games this season. Would you take the O or the U? Which one?
1: I'll take the over because when I look at the schedule, uh, you look at the home games, you got the Texans sitting there, you got the Green Bay Packers more than likely, minus Aaron Rodgers, you have the Indianapolis Colts, who are going to be probably another bad team unless they signed uh, Lamar. You'd like to think that you would, at least split with some of the other division teams, but with Tampa looking to be uh, way down as far as not having a quarterback. Uh, Then you look at your away schedule. You have the bears who knows how good they will be. Uh, You have the Jaguars, a team on a come up, but I think that will still be a kind of a 50, 50 game. Um, And then the rest of the schedule. And then the Seahawks on a team that I don't think it's unbeatable. So there are some uh, very winnable games that are outside of your division. So that's why I think they can uh, muster up over seven and a half wins. <laughs>
0: 704 said betting someone else's money. I'm taking the overall day. Um, and then Nipple Hightower. I don't know how we got that next <laughs> name in there. But they said RIP Fiddy giving Wes all of Fiddy's money and then going to choose seven to Seven and bet. a
1: half wins?
0: Seven and a half. Oh, well, that schedule? Well, yeah, I mean if you're if you're betting someone else's money is the joke here. You know, I'm not, I don't think he has a problem with what you're really saying. <laughs> oh. Seven and a half wins I mean, that's what it's it's why it's tough. Seven and a half wins is very tough. The problem is, so you're playing each team twice within your division. Yeah. So there's six games in what we've all called a very weak division. Yeah. So you could I could see Carolina going four and two, and can you give me four other wins across the rest of their schedule? I would take the over more than I would the under. If
1: you go, if you go, okay. if you went three and three, yeah, in the division, and then you think now, like I said, these games aren't gimme, but games that I think that just currently constructed as of right now, the way I project some of these teams, Green Bay is very winnable, Houston is very winnable, Indianapolis is very winnable, the Bears, that's four, that's four games right there on top of the three, the Seahawks yeah. aren't unbeatable. And the Jaguars are another team that's kind of up and down week to week. They ended the season on a good note, but they're no lot to come in the next season and be a contender. So that's six wins right there. I count that the Panthers have a, a real 50-50 shot in nine games. I think that I can chalk it up as an Well,
0: and I guess you're right in the sense that if we had all of this conversation about the offseason being as good as it is, and then they come up with seven wins, even well, with you having to account for the number one overall pick being a young qb right even with that caveat if you only won seven then it might be somewhat underwhelming yeah i mean i guess context matters you know getting rid of the injuries and stuff like that
1: this is a very manageable schedule Mm -hmm.
0: 803 number said nfc south is a weak division but so are the panthers be realistic you have proven nothing the last four years all right that actually (laughs) that went different I saw the first because was the, that Wes's burner? It the might have been. It might have been. The text actually shows you like the first sentence and then you have to click on it to read the rest. So I was like, all right, here's a Panther fan saying that we should be a little bit more adamant about the over NFC South week division, yada, yada. Oh, OK, we've proven nothing over the last four years. Very good.
1: I mean, you even look at the Titans, too. They still may trade Derrick Henry. Their quarterback situation isn't settled. Their offensive skill. Even with Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, that's another game that the Panthers would have a good shot in.
0: Um, Let's go to some of the weird or quirky coaches, whatever you want to write. Copeland said Les Miles is eccentric. I agree because we said the same thing about Pete Carroll. Because you'd like to play for Pete Carroll, unless you're Russell Wilson, I guess. But eccentric. I think that was a fun coach to play for. Um, Mike Leach is a great answer from Hightower once again. Mike Leach. Might be the ultimate one, but he's also fantastic. I just can't see, I can't say the first name in that text name all the time. Mm. 980 number said Rex. I just don't want to. It's weird. <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> I know I am. 980 number said Rex Ryan. I think that got off, got us off to the right foot. I don't think there's any doubt about that with Rex were you Ryan. A,
1: were you doing a pun right there with the foot? Yeah,
0: well, I just think he hit the toenail right on the head. It's a great one. Because
1: he had his wife's feet pictures on his desk.
0: 100%. I think that was a good one, written in by nine eight zero. Casey Steve said, "Mick Cronin looks like a serial killer and seems strange." Fiddy and I shared a very intimate moment with us not liking Mick Cronin coach teams. I don't know if I'd call him weird though. Mm. Is that fair from you, Fiddy?
2: Uh, dude, I don't know. I mean, like, for, I hated him at Cincinnati. I like him at UCLA because it's revived that program. He scares the hell out of me though.
0: Yeah, he's more scary than. He is weird. I think. <laughs> All right, I'll say. Mm-hmm. The Hightower said, "Say my name, Walker. Say it. All right, Snipple. Hightower, you win. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to say it so many free, uh, so many, so many times." Nine eight zero number also said, 10 win team next year. Book it." What what would be the ceiling, if if you reasonably hit on the number one pick, right? Let, let's say that it's not, you know. The quarterback doesn't come in and give you the best rookie season ever, you know, anything like that, but you feel good about him. There's some flaws because it's a number one overall pick, but you feel good about his trajectory. Maybe Joe Burrow-esque, if that makes sense, where Cincinnati didn't have a great record, but you still felt good about Joe Burrow. It just wasn't amazing. What's the ceiling for that kind of team, given the supporting cast?
1: Uh, I would say nine to ten wins. I would I agree. Fishy. I think if they could hit the 10-win mark, because like I said, I named six games, uh, well, really seven games, so I felt like you can't chalk them up as L's for the Panthers. So uh, they won't win all of those, but I think they could win the majority of them uh, if the rookie quarterback comes in and is good, or you have Andy Dalton to rely on as well. So it just depends on what, what you want to do. If the rookie's not up to snuff during camp and you want to go with Dalton, um then I think he, you've got a chance at that as well. A couple of people wrote in Bill Belichick. I said that too. You did too. I
0: don't view him as weird. I just view him as a jerk and just not wanting to be here to talk to you during. If you see him in his element, where he's talking to former players or anything like that, totally normal. Yeah, it's it's just a very different act. in when he speaks to the media versus and some of the players on
1: the sideline, he doesn't. Yeah, you no, know, keeps the same face no matter what's happening.
0: I like Panther Bow's text. Did you see this, video? He said. That FDU coach was a goober. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of was, though. He was. It certainly fits.
2: He wore, like, a long sleeve underneath, like, a sleeveless vest while coaching basketball. Like, he kind of looked like an onion with hair. He just looked weird all the (laughs) way around.
0: Why does he look like an
2: onion? I I don't know how else you describe him. Like, he was
1: just an odd looking fella. I would put Bruce Pearl in the quirky category.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That one, so those guys are just like crazy, right? Like, those are good ones. Speaking of which, he just, Fitty just talked about wearing a long sleeve shirt. What was he he wearing that you were saying kind of looked gooberish?
2: Well, he had the long sleeve underneath a, a sleeveless vest.
0: Okay, so here's what I did the other day, by the way, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to see what you guys think of this as well. So I had a long sleeve shirt that I wore under a T-shirt and I usually don't roll with it because it does feel weird. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my girlfriend and said, hey, is this weird? Like, just be honest with me. Do I need to take the long sleeve shirt off underneath? And she said, yeah, you kind of do. Is there ever a moment where you can do that, where you can go, I feel like if you have to wear the T-shirt, for instance, if we have the WFNZ T-shirt mm-hmm. and we got to wear it, but it's cold out, then maybe we could put the T-shirt on over the long sleeve shirt. But apparently that's not a style that she was down with. What say you, Swag Lord?
1: <laughs> uh, no, because I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time I did that because I know I did it like when I was a kid coming up. Uh, you could do that, especially if you get a T-shirt that you really want to wear, but it's like wintertime or it's chilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you could do it at times. What about you,
0: Fitty? Is that weird? I know there's some great texts coming in. Coaches do it. Yeah, I guess coaches will do it for sure. But that also speaks to maybe that makes them weird or see, quirky.
2: See, mm-hmm. I feel like if you go into like your fish store like that, I don't think you'll look <laughs> out of place. You know, you're, 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 When you're like the Sheldon Cooper of fish, I don't think it looks bad. If you came in here... Wearing a long sleeve, like uh, under a T-shirt. Yeah, we're going to clown you. Also, yeah. the text line is pointing out that all <laughs> vests are sleeveless.
0: <laughs> I know. You said the sleeveless vest. Somebody wrote in. I think it was Jack. Not to be confused with a vest with sleeves, mind you. It's a little bit different. Yeah, by going to the y'all. <laughs> what is, that's a Nick Wilson thing? Yeah. Is that what that is? There's a couple people that will write it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's an acronym for bleep you get off my ass.
0: Okay. There you go. Uh, Joe Gibbs said, if you're talking crazy... Bobby Knight needs to come up in this conversation. You know, just the worst person ever. Yeah, for sure. Like Bob Knight. He was awful. Uh, Ed Orgeron, that's kind of a good one. Jim Harbaugh.
1: Now that's a good one. He's the definition of quirky. But really yes. quick, if you go back to uh, Orgeron, was Orgeron really quirky or was it just a voice? Because I didn't. Take him to be a quirky guy? I think he's a little quirky, maybe, but maybe it is just the voice. Well, because the voice is so. Because he likes old. to have younger women with him in the pool and hanging out.
0: Oh, I didn't know this. This is something. Oh, yeah. I didn't see
1: that. Is there a picture of it? Yeah. Well, He's I just, online. I i didn't, my mom was clowning. Him. She's like, <laughs> he is too old to be in there with those young women. I didn't, <laughs> I did
0: not see the picture. Yes. People are still, people have still continued to roll in with the but best. Harbaugh jokes is the, against the definition of it. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh is probably the best one so far. Brian Kelly. See, I, I put Brian Kelly in more like the jerk category. Oh yeah. I mean, not so much weird. Just, I don't really mess with you. Brian Kelly is one of the coaches I dislike as much as any, by the way.
1: Can't Wait, stand Brian, him. you Chip? No, Chip? Brian no, Kelly.
0: Brian. LSU? Okay. Yeah, Notre Dame. Family. Gotcha. <laughs> <That's>
2: like, that, <laughs> right. that was it for me. That was the final straw.
0: 100%. 704-570-9610. You can keep writing some of those entries. I did want to talk about this just real quickly. Uh, what Panthers' a- offensive acquisition will have the biggest impact, and why will they have the biggest impact if you're talking about guys that can help this first overall pick at quarterback in order to help this team get to the over on the seven and a half game total that Vegas has set for them and possibly reach their ceiling. We talked about West at nine or 10 games.
1: Yeah. So uh, at first I wanted to go with Hayden Hurst. And then you start looking at, started digging into the numbers a little bit. And you talk about uh PFF put out a report, kind of debunking the myth that rookies uh, they found their tight ends more than any other position. And so, uh, over the last few years, counting back from 2017, this was going into 2017. It was, uh, and it was a while ago. And I saw a couple other reports that kind of debunked the myth of um, a tight end. So, I mean, you look at the route target distribution. And you talk about wide receivers with the overwhelming majority, but I think I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. If he can stay healthy, we're talking about a 1200 yard back. He's got momentum coming into this season after the pro bowl year uh, that he had last year, he's running behind a much better offensive line. We know the Panthers can run it and we know that they want to run it. And I think this is a guy who's going to set the table for the offense on most weeks, as far as establishing the run, making those reads easier Uh, for the quarterback as far as kind of dictating coverage at times because you're fearful of that run. So I'm going to go with Miles Sanders.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Adam Thielen. I'm going to go Adam Thielen because I think he's going to be the guy that probably is in the area of the football field that the quarterback is going to be looking to most often. Miles Sanders, even if I do expect him to have a bigger role in the passing game, it's not something I can bank on either because it, he's been trending downward each of the last three seasons. I do expect him to be more involved, though. I just think Adam Thielen, he's going to be your number one wide receiver. The 39th overall selection, he's not going to overtake that spot. DJ Chark has some health concerns. Chark did have a 1,000-yard thousand, a thousand yard season with Jacksonville, so that's something to monitor. He made the Pro Bowl that year looked like an up-and-coming wide receiver, so if he can stay healthy, maybe. I just think Thielen is going to be targeted more so than any other receiver. Now, it might... Be conflicting with my opinion that also Thielen does not get to a thousand yards mm-hmm. this season. I understand that. I just don't, th- I just think it's going to be spread out more. So if we're asking, okay, how do you think the target share is going to be divvied up? I think Thielen probably gets the most. I don't think Chark is going to be too far behind that. I don't think Hayden Hurst is going to be too far behind that. Then you got to think about the 39th overall pick if it's a wide receiver along with Terrace Marshall, and then we're bringing in Miles Sanders out of the backfield. Right. So I do think mostly it's going to be spread out, but if you have to ask who is going to be the most targeted, who's going to have the biggest impact, I still think it's Thielen, especially if he's only getting older, if he's going to be 33 at the beginning of the season, I expect him to have a bigger year in Carolina sooner rather than later as yeah. he hits 34 and 35 the last two years on his contract.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's just going to be very instant. And it's all going to develop uh, with the development of the young quarterback because I think we'll see the the quarterback sooner than later, um, especially if you yeah. take some of the guys at the top that's known for the processing like the Stroud, like the Bryce Young. I think that we may see them sooner rather than later. And so I think uh, to ease them into that offense, that's why I just go with the running back because I think most overall – uh, just running backs in a running game help settle down uh, a young quarterback on a weekend, week-out basis. And even a guy like Andy Dalton, I mean, he had a nice year last year, but he's not a guy that you want to put the game on his back to throw it 45, 50 times.
0: Um, and and by the way, Brian wrote in Bradley Bozeman, which is a good one. I guess we didn't go skill player. I just said offensive acquisition, more of a
1: reacquisition yeah, but for hey, Bozeman. Hey, this is true, but I mean, when you talk about impact, let's not, you know, the, the lines are vital to a team. There's no mistaking that. But when you talk about guys that are going to actually have the ball in their hands and impact the scoreboard like that, then I think the skill guys kind of take a little bit of precedent.
0: All right, we got to go to break. Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter talked about the North Carolina basketball program, the state of the current program. Plus, Caleb Love, he announced that he is entering the transfer portal. What do we think of his legacy? It's all still to come on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up, Garage Door Guru, text line 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Wes and Walker on Twitter, WFNZ Twitter, and the WFNZ Instagram. I guess you can hit me up too, Wes got range 704, but let's get straight to it, man. Pretty good stuff. Came down, Vince Carter, on his podcast, came out, talked about the Carolina program, talked about what they thought went wrong with them this year, and, you know, they said, we got comfortable and cocky. They talked about NIL having an effect on this team. They talked about... Uh, you know, how these guys focused just wasn't there and how they just didn't have a feel for the game because of all of the things that they had to do and guys building brands, et cetera. So let's get straight into uh some of the sounds starting with Anton Jameson on the will to win with this Tar Heels team.
3: The one thing, especially in my profession, what I see now is the feel for the game is not there. Imagine all the open runs that we had. Vince, I went there the first day they was able to, to uh, practice, or just, uh, just uh, you know, go play. up and just oh, play. play. Pick up. Pick up. So they played that day, and I had the boys with me, and I said, well, i see you guys tomorrow. Y'all can play again tomorrow, right? They were like, "Nah, we're scheduled to play next week. I was like, huh? So for us, we got a basketball scholarship to go to the University of North Carolina. Of course, don't get me wrong, school, whatever other kind of things you got going on. But, this we play every single day. And I think the problem that we're dealing with is these guys have these guys that can – everybody can work out. Everybody can jump between the legs. Everybody can do all this other stuff. But the feel for the game, the chemistry, the competitiveness is kind of like taking a step back, I think.
1: And then Vince Carter came back, and he said, uh, we got comfortable and cocky that we had our main core guys returning. He also said, I went for a preseason game, and I was a little concerned. We played Johnson C. Smith, and we should have blown them out of the water, and we didn't get it done. It was like, okay, it's preseason or whatever, but all the games were like that, and I got concerned. It felt like we could turn it on, but then it got out of hand. And then let's hear that last Jamison soundbite. Uh, about the team being able to handle being the hunted.
3: And you know how that Duke Carolina game, I remember the game at Duke, and I remember the ball just rolling on the floor. And I'm just like, nobody's diving for loose. That's a Duke Carolina game. And I love the guys. I think, you know, we just got to the point, we got complacent, and we felt like it was going to be as easy as it was because we caught fire at the right part time of the season, yeah. so I think they thought that we could just carry that over. But as you know, other teams are like preseason number one. I mean, they, they, they were the going they're the hunters it. anymore. They were the hunters, and we never Correct. we never counteracted. And I talked to Huber, and he was like, Well, "This is a different team." He said, "This is a, this is a totally different team than what I had last year." He said they got to worry about other, you know, things outside of basketball.
1: Man, a whole lot to digest digest there, Walker. Let's start with you. What were your thoughts on what they had to
0: say? All right, so there's a lot. I I guess here's what I want to start with. Usually when older NBA players or older basketball players talk about this generation, dot, 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 I automatically tune out. (laughs) <laughs> because I just can't stand those conversations anymore. It is so closed door effect that you're just not considering at all what this new age is all about and or what might be happening with the new age basketball players. I don't even know what that means. Right. But just whatever the current day basketball players experiencing. And then you want to say back in my day stuff. I mean, I, I hate that type of phrasing. Here's where it's a little interesting to me. Joe Barry quote tweeted this stuff. And it's not like he's an old head. He's not too far removed from this basketball program, and he, quote, tweeted the Jameson comments as tweeted out by Grant Hughes, and Joel Berry said this, quote, it was pickup every single day. Remember when Antoine, by the way, just referencing, saying that the team wasn't playing pickup all that that much. Joel Berry said it was pickup every single day, no questions. Even if you were a freshman and didn't play and had to chase kicked basketballs, you still had to be there. Summertime pickup is crucial, especially with having set allowed time with coaches and practices. Rules need to change around this. Now, here's the thing, too. Rules need to change around it, even if Joel Berry in the previous sentence said you only have so much time allowed with coaches and teammates or coaches and practices, I should say. So you really can't implement at least an official rule here. So anything you might try to implement that is not on a document, you really can't uphold that. So at the same time, it's these players. If this is important, if even everybody in the day and age that we play basketball now that are only a few years removed from the program are telling you it's important, then that might raise an eyebrow for some fans that are looking at the organization saying, why aren't they playing? So that's just one thing, and we can get to some other stuff, but the the Joel Berry comment, the, the lack of playing pickup, I guess maybe you could try to excuse this with them trying to get more rest for playing as deep as you literally could in the college basketball season last year with a whole bunch of other games on the horizon. But I don't think you're really talking about the rest aspect nearly as much in college as you are the NBA.
1: No, I don't think so at all. And you're talking about Vince Carter, Anton Jameson. These guys were All-Americans. These guys were leading highly touted teams. So they weren't thinking about how deep they're going to have to go um, into the NCAA tournament. They just wanted to hoop. And I think this is just a different era of kid now. There's so much these kids are uh, acting as though they're walking businesses, which a lot of them are, but you know, it's just the fact of it's clouding everything that they're doing. They're not professionals yet because I talked to somebody yesterday and they were like, well, coaches should know how to better handle this because it's just like uh, coaching pros. And I'm like, no, but with the transfer portal, these kids can leave whenever they want. So you have to be a little bit more delicate, Uh, with these guys as well. But I think that a lot of just the mentality of I'm a brand now and I'm not going to do anything to go out and get hurt and plan to pick up every day and just the hunger. I don't think it was there. I think, like Vince said, they got cocky because of who they had returning. I think all that played into the team. And that's why I cut Hubert some slack because he had such a hard job to do with all of these things infiltrating with these kids.
0: So that's the problem, too, though. Like, that's where I just don't know. I mean, so much of this would be speculation and maybe you want something more definitive. Yeah, get on them for being cocky. I just can't do that because at some point at the beginning of the season, you could accuse them of that if you wanted to. That would make sense. They finished on a very strong note. Even if they didn't win the championship, they finished on a strong note overall last year. You come in as the preseason number one. You have the Sports Illustrated read-made model of that cover. So all of that is true. Maybe you're feeling yourself and you drop a few games. Mm -hmm. But it's not like they had any reason to be cocky after the first two months of the college basketball season. And so why in the world are you cocky? I didn't watch this basketball team and think that it was ego-driven, especially from Armando. Mm -hmm. I didn't see a whole lot of ego as far as him feeling himself too much. I didn't really see it from R.J. Davis. Caleb Love, it's easy to call him cocky and ego-driven if you watch him play ball. I feel a little weird doing that, but I will say, man, I did want Caleb Love to pass a lot, right? Like, it's interesting, too. At the end of the game or at the end of the season, Caleb Love is the one that said, I want to play in the NIT. Mm -hmm. And so it does not fit with this idea that we have Caleb Love surrounding the bad off-the-court narratives around him, that his personality wasn't good. Like That's that's the stuff that's hard to figure out for me. So the cocky stuff, Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, they're going to be around the organization, the program, a little bit more than that, fair. I just didn't see a cocky basketball team, even anything close to it, certainly after the season was starting to fall apart. How how soon after the season started do they fall out of the top 25? It's like a month and a half,
1: right? What you got to be cocky about? Nothing to me. Um, Well, I think you got to look at it like this. When he brought up the fact of the Johnson C. Smith game, how they didn't come out and eat them alive, because I thought that game was a little bit closer than it should have been. You got to think, man, after that run that they had, they became a very trendy pick to win the title. They had a lot of gas coming into the season. Guys were getting bags. That changes things, man. And, you know, not pulling the I was a student athlete card or whatever the case may be. But it's like, I couldn't imagine being in college. I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars. You have to factor in all the trappings that come with that. We can think of that. You're starting to live the professional lifestyle. And and I know before guys were getting bags and doing this type of things before. But, you know, you're running around. Everybody's loving you. Everybody's on you telling you you guys are going to win a championship. You're getting money you you're getting the women on the campus whatever it is that you want is at your disposal man that can cloud kids as far as like you talked about do i want to go play pickup today or do i want to go to the mall and buy five pairs of joints do i want to go shopping on StockX today or do i want to go play you know what i'm saying and these are things that Vincent and we're talking about where with them you know they talked about you know playing pickup every day just that hunger and just being there and like the old saying goes i forget which boxer it was that said it but it's hard to stay hungry sleeping on silk sheets and for these kids that were getting a lot of these trappings that came with being who they are i think that did kind of infiltrate uh the program a little bit
0: okay but you've also been a huge champion of Nil, yes, and its infiltration of in college thing. athletics, yeah. right. You've also talked about that aspect and that being part of the reason, a big reason as to why Duke is so far ahead of Carolina as an organization. So j- does it matter case-to-case basis as far as how these kids might handle it? You spoke mm-hmm. in a generality, though. Mm-hmm. But, like, with Duke, if we're talking about them having the NIL money and running, like, more of a professional organization and you applauding and praising, celebrating it, mm-hmm. then why is it different with North Carolina when they get money
1: and now everything unravels? I think it comes down to two just, just the type of kid, uh, what you have going on. Like I said with Carolina, because I think the fact of – that they did have people coming back. They were touted as, you know, going to go back and finish what they didn't finish the year before. And I think it was a little bit of everything when you tally up NIL and then just everybody believing that they're going to go back and win the championship and probably Hubert not being as uh, tough on them as he could have been because he's trying to figure out how to navigate everything that's going on, man. It's just like, you know, a a music group. The music group, everybody's all in. Everybody is down for the cause when there's no money around. Then when the money comes around, you get guys whispering in somebody's ear, oh, you better than him. You should be doing this, that, and a third. Or, wow, you really going to take that from that coach? You out here doing this, this, that, and a third. It's a lot that kind of comes into the program, and I can see that with some of these coaches, what they have to deal with, was just with just everything encompassing. I mean, they talked about it. Uh, Vince and and Jamison were talking about, imagine having to, you know, go work out in the way that they were staying up till three or four in the morning, what they said, putting up shots. He said, then you come back, you get done with practice. You got to go to a Dunkin' Donuts commercial or shoot a car dealership commercial and things like that. And I mean, it's just a lot. And so I think that Hubert had to figure that out. But I do think that, like I said, that played a role in it. Duke handled it beautifully, and it seems like they have, but we'll see with this next crop of five stars how it turns out as well.
0: The other interesting thing from those comments from Antoine Jamison and Vince Carter, it's when I think it was Antoine Jamison who we just listened to a little bit more, maybe it was Vince, who talked about how he discussed this year's team with Hubert Davis, and Hubert said, this is not the same team. Mm-hmm. Hubert knew what was going on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that, like, you You go back to Hubert, and of course he's going to. I'm not trying to say that as, oh, this is enlightening, but Hubert knew. Whew, it's a little bit different, yeah. especially the way that things are going this year. The other thing, too, though, like, Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, those guys are a core part of this team. Welcomed back by everyone, by the way, yeah. including Hubert Davis. So if there is this rumor, report, whatever, that both sides mutually agreed to part ways with Hubert Davis in the Carolina brass and the powers that be, as well as Caleb love who entered the transfer portal yesterday. Then are we talking about the whole NIL and all of the effects of this affecting one player as far as the core goes? Because Dontre styles leaves, not a core player puff Johnson, as much as I think a lot of people liked him, maybe a little polarizing more so than I thought, you can't call Puff Johnson a core player when he played as little as he did this past season. So when you're discussing the core, right? Like I don't think we had many problems with Le- what does Leaky do it, right? Like Leaky offensively, he's not going to be raking in all this much money. Yeah. So is it really just Caleb? And that's that's what I hate to see, man. And that's why I think we're all in agreement. It clearly had to be a point where Caleb goes to a different university and Carolina just runs it back
1: without him. Yeah, I think so too. And Fiddy, I was dying to know what you thought about what Jamison and Carter had to say. You,
2: you know, I think I think what really I think Walker said it, you know, put with the hammer on the head. I think Hubert Davis knew when the season started this wasn't a group that was bought in. This wasn't a group that that was connected on and off the floor. I have no problem with them Doing their NIL stuff because they have that right and and, and, and and they need to explore those opportunities, but it shouldn't come it shouldn't come before playing basketball at the highest level. And I think with this group, the off the court fanfare, the off the court obligations that they chose to get themselves involved with, it meant more to them than winning basketball games. And that should never happen. You come to Carolina to win basketball games, to win ACC titles, go to the Final Four, and play for national championships. And so I just never saw a hunger from this team that looked motivated to get back. Like in 09, you knew that team. They came back for one reason. The core of the 17 team, they came back for one reason. They pushed out those videos saying, we want to come back and win a national title. But that was never displayed in their effort on the court. And I knew – it, deep down I admitted myself in December this team ain't got what it what what it takes to get back to the final 4 and so that's why it's the biggest disappointing season in the history of the program
1: strong i expected nothing less from Fitty. besides that well let's go ahead and get the second Fitty flash of the day while you at it
2: all right guys we're going to we're going to keep on the basketball side of things The Charlotte Hornets, they're back in action tonight, Walker. They're taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. If they win tonight... It's a win streak. It'd be three in a row. Do you think the Hornets get it done tonight down in OKC?
0: First, I would like to propose coming up next, we have Willie P. I would like to propose if they finish the season undefeated that he has to dye his whole body blue. And so that's what I would like (laughs) to see with Willie. I just love the fact that the Charlotte Hornets have a real case to completely screw up the Western Conference playoff picture by beating the Dallas Mavericks a couple of times. And you know who is just ahead of them? The last spot in the play-in tournament? It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we're not going to see. I think Shea Gildas Alexander is questionable tonight. Mm. So if he doesn't play, then that possibly lends itself to another Hornets victory. So I'm just here to cause chaos. Hornets are going to be picking with the fourth best odds anyway, or that's what their lottery odds are going to be. Who cares? Let's win all of the games possible, and let's get Willie P's whole body blue.
1: Yeah, I'm with that, and I'm going to take the Hornets tonight as well. I think they go get it done. And when we return, you heard Walker. Willie P will be in studio to talk Charlotte FC when we return. This is the Wesson Walker Show on Sports Radio 927
0: WFNZ. Walker. Wes Bryant, Josh, Fitty, Marlowe coming to you live from the Planet Kia Studios. Visit PlanetKiaNC.com. Unfortunately, no Willie P here today. Instead, we have to go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline to welcome the voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P, joining us. Willie, why didn't you want to come in the studio today? Were you getting frustrated with Fiddy for any reason?
4: No, it's just I've been I've uh, I've been on I-77 a lot today, and uh, I, I, not that you guys aren't worth it. It's just I I don't want to make it my permanent residence. That's all, because I got to be back up and down again for the Charlotte Hornet game tonight, and I had training this morning, and it it would it would be a lot of time in the car.
0: All right, well I'm a little I'm a little frustrated with you, but that's fine. We can move on, but not even because of that though, because I do feel like you've been throwing shade at Fitty. For him not looking good in a bucket hat. You did this publicly. I thought it was despicable of you, where we're trying to build this man's confidence. And then you wanted to say, no, they're just being nice. You indeed do not look good in a bucket hat. Well, then I saw the photo of you in your Buzz City jacket and your Buzz City bucket hat, Willie. Do you feel like you are more attractive than Fitty in said hat that we're talking about?
4: Yeah, the problem with Fitty is that I actually tell him the truth. I don't need people giving him an inflated ego are giving him an inflated opinion of himself because he surrounds himself with people who don't tell the truth. And That's that's basically the way that this is going to work. Fiddy B- is my friend, and I, I have to give him the, you know, sometimes we have to keep it 100 with him.
0: Wes, we try to gas fitty up, man, and Willie's just here to bring a fire hose all over it. Just get the fire out of there. We did. Fit.
1: I keep it a buck, though. I told him what I thought. I think it's fresh.
0: Yeah, so it's I fresh. It's swaggy, him. and uh, I guess Willie does look a little swaggy as well in the Buzz City outfit that he can don. Let's go to the Charlotte FC uh, score from this past weekend. We saw Charlotte play New York. The Red Bulls, I was told last week that Thierry Reese does not still play for that team, and they played to a 1-1 draw at the bank on Saturday. Willie, what were the biggest observations from that match?
4: Well, it was once again kind of a tale of two halves. Uh, When you think about the way the last game went against Orlando, Charlotte was very forceful with their play in the opening half and not so much in the second half, though they had gotten two goals in that first half. And as far as this Saturday against New York, uh, the first half, New York very much dictated the terms. They like to play a very physical and aerial style. Uh, that doesn't necessarily shoot, suit what Charlotte FC wants to do. They want to keep the ball on the ground. They want to play precision passing. And they want to do, uh, do things in terms of trying to break that press. Unfortunately, they had a lot of trouble with it in the opening half. They showed a different spirit, though, in the second half. They were able to get a couple of great substitutions in with Ben Bender and Vinicius Mello, who made his MLS debut. And, and Vinny Mello made himself a real instant impact when it came to his service that he provided in the 74th minute to Kerwin Vargas that uh, went for the the own goal. Uh, one thing that I keep coming back to, and this is something that was touched on by a couple of people off the weekend, is that you know, we should have had more time in that game. There was a lot of time wasting done by New York Red Bulls even after uh, uh, Charlotte FC had uh, made the score back level. Uh, they seemed very content to come out of there with only a point as opposed to trying to play for, for all three. So in my mind, I don't know if we necessarily got the most favors from uh, the officiating crew from MLS. There was also a lot of physicality that was uh, highlighted by uh, the folks on the Instant Replay podcast on Apple, which uh, basically detailed the fact that there were a lot of calls that were missed on both sides. Charlotte FC actually came away pretty fortunate because there were two uh, pretty vicious challenges from Brant Bronico and Derek Jones that they believe could have very easily been whistled for red cards. That still could possibly happen retroactively. Uh, they can potentially suspend those guys for any particular period of time if they feel that a challenge is deemed untoward. But at least in the phases of the match, Charlotte came away pretty lucky in, in the fact that that game had a lot of contact that got let go.
1: Willie, you talk about Vinicius Mello and his impact on the game, and that was one of the big storylines from that match, had to wait a long time before he got in because of injuries and things of the like. They said four hundred and sixty seven days to be exact. What type of impact uh, is he gonna make on this team and can he become the new mellow of Charlotte?
4: Well it's interesting. Uh, he unfortunately he doesn't like to go by Mellow alone. He likes having both of his names together. So it's never we're never going to call him Mello like we call him Mello Ball because he prefers just being called Vinicius Mellow or if any Mellow, but I do feel like when you look at the way that he impacted the match, I feel like you have to play him. Uh, There wasn't a single player. We, uh, when we talk to the people who are connected with the club, you know, whether it's on the record or off the record, there isn't a single player that they have talked about an upside of more than Vinicius Mello, because they feel like he brings a certain element of style to the game that you just can't really teach. It's, It's a lot of those types of things that, you know, when he's on the ball, he's very, very silky smooth with it. He also can shoot it. He he is trained as a number nine striker, but I think in the spirit of what Christian Latancio has said with this team, he feels like if you're an attacking player, you can play anywhere across the front three. I didn't know necessarily that he had the service, uh, the, the service specs in his locker, but I tell you what, he looked pretty nice on that right wing, and it seemed like he, Enzo Capetti, and Kevin Vargas had a nice chemistry together. You could do a lot worse than that front line if they're all playing in their current form, which also begs the question about what you do with Karol Sviderski when he comes back, and I'm sure we'll get to that uh, after Carol's uh, pretty interesting performance over the weekend for uh, the Polish national team getting himself a goal yesterday in international play.
1: And Coach said they played a team that was known for their fighting ability. How, were, mm-hmm. uh, how was Charlotte FC able to outfight New York?
4: Well, that's the one thing that, that Christian Latanzia said. You know, we're not going to sit here and be bullied. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw some of the challenges and, and the fight back from, from Charlotte FC. And and I think it took a referee to let a lot go, which I think Marcos de Oliveira did. But fact of the matter remains is that the arbiters of the game outside of the, the white line might look at that differently. But I think, again, Charlotte FC in the second half fought back a lot better. I think in the first half, they, they had a lot of possession that took place in their own half that wasn't intentional. This is part of the reason why when you look at possession numbers after a game, it doesn't always tell the whole story. Charlotte FC held 75% of the possession in that game and did not necessarily come away with anything other than one shot on target. That wasn't even the shot that uh, resulted in the goal because the goal was an own goal. So it count as a shot on target. Uh, the one game that Charlotte FC has won this season came in a game where they didn't dominate possession. They actually were able to make the most of their intentional possession against Orlando, and then Orlando basically spent the entire second half on the front foot, but Charlotte FC kept themselves very organized. So in my opinion, Weston, a long way to answer the question, yes, they fought back, but but I'd like to see that fight over a larger portion of the game because I really feel like there was only like 20 to 30 minutes where I felt that Charlotte FC dictated the terms of the game by what they wanted to do
0: well willie and that lone win did not come at home in fact charlotte is oh two and one at home so far this season how important is it for the crown to start getting back on the winning track here in the queen city
4: i think it's very important because i mean you play 17 of your matches in this building and uh, one of the things that christian latanzia said is that maybe sometimes they put a little too much pressure on themselves they've been unfortunately uh uh, a characteristic of them has been slow starts in this building, unfortunately. And that's, the I think, real testament to try and figure things out in terms of their, their form. They'll get two consecutive weeks on the road here. And it's, it's odd because last year we kept on talking about how much of a fortress that Bank of America Stadium has been. Uh, granted, the, the sample size is very small in terms of their, their road form. But I do feel like, aside from the St. Louis uh, game where they played, I do feel like they looked a lot better in that opening half against Orlando than they have in any of their their games against uh, their home competition. And unfortunately, they go into a week with Toronto, a place that they didn't necessarily do well in against uh, because of the fact that they had to uh, deal with some different things involving Toronto and their brand-new players. Uh, They got down very, very early in that game last year when they played them, and, and they've struggled against Canadian teams overall. They only have one win against uh, Canada overall, and that came back at home last year against Vancouver. They went 0-4 in the two matchups each with Toronto and Montreal, but Toronto's going to be down some players because they don't have their sensational star, Andre Siniest. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, Lorenzo Insigne. I'm sorry, I got him in. Yes, <laughs> uh confused. I was about to say, but, a guy yeah, I heard uh, of. Uh, the, Lorenzo Insigne, uh, he is no longer, or not, he's not uh, in form right now. He's still up with injuries. So at least for, from that aspect, I'm wondering, how Charlotte FC might actually benefit from being on the road for a change because they have looked a lot better away from home. There's been a little bit less pressure on them.
0: All right, that is the voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. will be on the call for their match against Toronto on Saturday, which, of course, you can listen to right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks again.
4: I'll get I'll get my international forwards and midfielders straight out. Next time. I if you, you don't mind,
0: that. thanks, If you don't mind, that would be great. Just so we could talk like real professionals here about the sport of soccer that we do all the time without Willie P. But sometimes it's nice to have some help from him. <laughs> Hopefully, we can have him back at the Planet Kia Studios. In a recent and uh, upcoming weeks, I should say. Let's go. Let's come back. We have one more hour to go. We'll talk more about the Carolina Panthers, the NCAA tournament. It's all still to come on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92 7 WFNZ.